What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages? Welcome to another fabulous installment of the Matt and Dennis podcast. I, of course, Dennis Fitzy, the tail, Matt, Toronto, what's shaking? Dennis, not too much. It's been, uh, it's been raining here. I took my... Uh, raining? Commit. Yeah, it's been raining for the last two and a half days. I, uh, I took my, my mode of transportation tonight was a canoe to the Matt and Dennis studios. Um, at least the central Michigan office. It's a good thing we have LA. Yep. Yep. Very good thing. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been miserable weather wise, but, uh, again, I say, and it, it seems to be how I kick off our show, just an update on what the weather is, because honestly, it's never really good when we record the show. And sometimes I just feel like screaming out into the void about it. Well, Matt, not to burst your bubble, but Friday was Pretty nice here, 60s. Saturday was mid-70s, very sunny, actually kind of hot, not very breezy. Sunday was a beautiful day, 60s, breezy. I was on the golf course, didn't play well, but that's not the point. And then today, partly cloudy, seemed like it was going to rain, but no rain. Sun's out. Clouds are kind of that purple-orange hue-ish they get around evening time. It's picturesque in the Constitution State. It's just cloudy and rainy. I think tomorrow the sun will come out, so hoping for the best. Mm, mm. You know what else is picturesque, Matt? Some sports returning to action. That's picturesque. Look at that segue. I'm a damn genius if you ask me. Bit of a we had UCF return a week ago. Doesn't really concern you me at all. What? UCF did not return. UFC did return, though. Oh, sorry. Yeah, UCF. See, I just got college. UCF is on summer break, but they do have online classes. Yes. I mean, well, maybe they're returning, I don't know, some workouts. I I really don't know. But, yes, UFC returned. People were excited, I guess. But this past weekend, NASCAR returned. Golf returned, in parentheses, kind of. Just a little tournament. People enjoyed it. Horse betting. Matt, you said you placed some wagers. I did. Albeit small wagers. And yeah, not in a gambling form, just with the person in the room with you. Gambling counts, though. Can't you can't bet on sports um, here? At least you can't use any uh, apps. Not that I would approve of that behavior, but yes, we had a very small uh, one dollar wager here on horse betting. Ah, well, biggest betting weekend of the year since March, at least. So that's good news, I guess. Maybe start yeah. seeing some extra revenue for the states that do allow it. Maybe that's a good thing, whether or not you care. But did you watch anything sports-related this weekend? Did you tune in? Uh, I will tell you right up front, I didn't watch a damn thing. I'm shocked by that. I was outside in the sunny Connecticut weather. Absolutely absolutely shocked by that response. I'm just floored that you did not watch any Bundesliga action. Knowing you the way I do, the Bundesliga. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I don't know those words. German soccer league. Uh, no, again, knowing you the way I, I I have for all of these years, I'm just absolutely shocked that you did not watch any Bundesliga or horse racing over the weekend. I really thought that was – I thought about you the entire time, to be honest with you. No, uh, joking aside, very good. As you and I have mentioned for weeks on end throughout the, the coronavirus crisis, we look for any and all uh, – signs of hope especially us being a sports uh, centric uh, show any signs that we are getting towards normalcy and we have another week where there are signs of that albeit very slow signs and not by any stretch the most popular um, 
uh, sports, at least here in America. I think Bundesliga was huge. Um, they came back. Uh, they got a, they have, I think it's another six games or so that they have remaining in the season. They came back to empty stadiums, obviously. Um, but uh, just going on Twitter, I saw a lot of people that I know for a fact are not soccer fans that had some sort of excitement. There's a bit tongue-in-cheek jokes there, of course, as there, there always will be. But people were just happy to watch the spirit of competition unfold. Like uh, like you mentioned, Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon it was a dreary day here. I turned on Fox Sports, and we got to watch horse race, horse racing. We made a fun little $1 bet, and they were running at uh, Churchill Downs, obviously the, the probably the most famous horse racing track in the world. So that was cool to watch. I know I didn't get to watch any of the UFC, but that was something that uh, – before coronavirus happened i was kind of enjoying watching fight night because it was like late saturday night like really late and it was just something that got hyped up um bundesliga i'm a you know i'm a big soccer fan i watched that nascar was the only one i didn't watch it wasn't because i didn't want it i probably would have watched a few laps but i'm um, not a, a huge nascar fan but again it's, it seems like almost at least well, in America, but around the world, we have representation slowly but surely of all the different sports coming back. The Korean Baseball League, horse racing, boxing, soccer. Next things we're waiting on, obviously, we touched on baseball in that proposal last week. Um, football, we're getting closer and closer with that, the hype that the draft brought back. And it's like, okay, how are we going to do this? There's a lot of hope amongst you and I and sports fans that it's halfway through May right now. Hopefully by August, football can start off without a hitch. Um, so this this brings hope in a time where that is a very good thing. And again, the only sports that I think are missing the representation, obviously football wouldn't be happening right now anyways. But um, does hockey attempt to return? Does the NBA attempt to return? Um, the English Premier League says they're getting the okay to start the season and they're working through the logistics of that um, right now. So it was very pleasant to see some other sports options added to um, added to our television lineup over the weekend. Yeah, and added because as much hype and, like you were saying, tongue-in-cheek kind of jokes with the Korean Baseball League starting off, at least they were sports that weren't happening at 3 o'clock in the morning and people actually tuned in. Because I'm sorry, for that like few days where it was like the Korean Baseball League's returning, people were like, oh, I'm really going to watch this. I don't think anyone's watching it. So – there were a few times where, because I know there were a few games that started at like 1, 1 in the morning. And I was like, oh, okay, like 1, 1 if it's a Friday, Saturday night, like, yeah, what the heck? I'm up that time on those days. But it was like on a Monday night. Yeah. I was like, that's not happening. And then when it got to Friday, Saturday, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a drink, watch the Korean Baseball League to wrap up my night. And the game wasn't starting until 4 a.m. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a bridge too far. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, some more good news in what you mentioned, like sports slowly returning, is our government officials, New York's Mayor Anthony Cuomo, said he will do any and everything to help sports move along with, of course, no fans, at least taking place in uh, New York. We saw the Texas governor and the California governor both come out saying that it looks like by the end of May, we could see sports returning with no fans in the state of Texas by June 1st-ish for California. Same thing. In California, we're not a few we're a few weeks removed from them saying, we're not playing anything. We're not doing anything in this state. So that at least shows progress and whether or not they should have made that statement a couple weeks ago like they did. Maybe they thought it was best at the time. Again, 
this has been an evolving thing for these last two months and change. Right. Uh, but that at least is really, good news. Uh, it's literally the definition of a fluid situation because every day in terms of news that we get about this, in terms of, of progress or lack thereof, it seems like every day is different than what we got the day before. Yeah. And the projection for what June will look like is different this week than what they said it would be next week than what it'll be the week after this. And, and I'm just, I'm glad that there are that, how do I want to word this? That the, the progress is seems to be made in a, in a, safe mature and responsible way by, by our local officials and by the the heads of the different leagues and organizations yeah so good news there again two weeks ago we were very optimistic uh last week we were not because of baseball matt we're rapidly approaching that date that you gave mlb the mascarano unofficial get your crap together and have a plan figured out we're nowhere closer to that i was listening again we on this i wasn't going to bring this up but we're in the conversation the fan talked about it there are certain beaches that will be opened this weekend it's memorial day weekend it's a big unofficial kickoff of summer beaches will be open in long island beaches will be open in the jersey shore not within the state of new york so people will flock to where they have to go we golfed over the weekend our good friend kyle Barron was golfing up in glastonbury he said the parking lot was probably half massachusetts plates because massachusetts has not yet opened golf courses so it brings up this concern where if New York, Anthony Cuomo is saying that he's going to do what he can to help Major League Baseball play, if we're going to pick these cities, will they have fans, will they not have fans? And let's say they decide to have fans in certain so-called safe areas, what's going to stop someone from, say, the city of New York, Connecticut? Maybe that's not a very safe area. I don't know on the, off the top of my head where safe is or safe isn't. Traveling over state state-by-state state, trying to attend these baseball games. You know what I mean? There's a lot of logistics that are going into this that I'm less and less confident each day that we're going to see Major League Baseball. Yeah, well, two things with that. Uh, one is I'm not obviously a, a, a – I don't hold any political office, nor am I a, a health and safety expert. But one of the things and, – and I try to steer clear of this, but sometimes politics runs into sports – one thing that I think is incredibly frustrating as different states try to open up and we think about what life will look like with sports when they resume and with or without fans in the stands is a perfect example of what you shared with Kyle being in Glastonbury, Connecticut at a golf course and half the cars there from Massachusetts. There was never, and, and every place is different. Some places, obviously New York City got it really bad. Washington got it really bad. Michigan, Florida got it bad to an extent. And some places didn't. And it's there's there was no kind of uh blanket plan so and and now you're kind of seeing that come to to life as some places are trying to reopen and some are saying wait just a minute you're gonna have people going to different places and i don't think that is necessarily a safe idea i don't see to the point you're making about having fans in the stands over here even though this state is still locked down i just don't see a world and what where that happens I think when stadiums open up, it's going to be a blanket situation where all of them are going to have fans or all of them are not going to have fans. Um, I think that's going to run organization by organization. I don't think you'd find a situation where the NFL says, oh, Texas opened up, so Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys can have fans 
but New York is still fighting this, so the Giants and Jets can't. I don't think there's going to be a situation where that happens. I think it's the league's going to either pack the stadiums, they're going to be empty, or they're going to say the stadiums could go at 50% capacity or, or what have you. Um, I think that – I don't know if – I don't know if, like, using the NFL for an example, I don't know if that's a full-year thing because there's just so much money to be had that even just doing it, doing stadiums November, December, and through the playoffs would be a lot more beneficial than having them empty September and October or through the whole season. Um, See, so yeah, I, just, I just don't see a situation where where some stadiums will allow fans and others won't. I can't see um, how that happens. And you touched on baseball really quick. And I, I agree with you. Again, I, I still hold true to my Memorial Day um, uh, line there where I say if Major League Baseball doesn't have um, a plan in place um, by Memorial Day, like a, a written, signed, agreed, signed, sealed, delivered, as Stevie Wonder would say, plan by Memorial Day. I don't see a way in which baseball starts. And baseball, I think, by virtue of when the baseball season begins and ends and how the virus uh, crisis started, it's a different ball game because the other seasons that got affected, for the most part, have played their whole season. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to fit in the back end or playoffs. MLS is one, but MLS, is the season has traditionally ended at the beginning of December after playoffs anyways. So they still have hopes that they could fit their whole season in there. Baseball seems to be the only one, at least on the forefront, that is having this problem with payroll. And that's a whole nother problem oh, yeah. entirely. And I think that, combined with how we can do the season in a safe and healthy way, I'm not optimistic, as I, I was not optimistic last week either. Yeah, I, th I think as fans, we probably should have saw the money issue coming. Like, oh, this isn't going to be as easy as we think. But I guess because we're in a pandemic and we've never seen anything like this before, that we should have assumed people would just bury whatever hatchets they have and gripes they have with their ownership, money, whatever it would be. But apparently that's not going to change. Which well, we thought. We, we, we thought, and I mentioned this last week's episode, we mentioned as fans that we would assume that the baseball players would just be as passionate as we are about the game and just want to play for – for little to no money, and that's obviously not how the situation works as much as we would like it to be. Uh, they got to get their bread and butter as well. So it's a, I just don't think between the two of those things happening, baseball's going to lose money regardless if the season starts or not. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. I, again, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Uh, Matt, another tough situation. You know, I'm just killing the transitions today. Very negative show today. Yeah. Giants. DeAndre Baker arrested. Was it over the weekend? Was it a couple days before? Uh, it's today. Monday, I believe. End of last week? I believe it was Friday. Thursday or Friday. Friday? Uh, he was yeah, at let me say summer, summer barbecue. Just, you know, getting all sorts of social distancing going on, clearly. And was upset at a card game or something like that. Flipped over the table. And then robbed the uh, people around there at gunpoint, took, what, $7,000, $45,000 worth of watches. $40,000. I've never been to a barbecue where maybe the total amount of money has been seven grand. Who goes to a barbecue with cash in their wallet? I mean, I, you know, it's, hey, to each his own, I guess. But now he's facing trial. 
and the Giants have told him not to participate in any team online related activities, which is just great because he's only a year removed from the Giants trading up in the draft to get him. Uh, so, you know, I just, I have no good feelings for DeAndre Baker. I had no good feelings coming in the off season for this poor guy. He had a lot to work on in my book and now we may never see him in blue again. And before I just bashed DeAndre Baker so much, it's just near and dear to the heart because we're giant fans. He wasn't, there was Quentin, Quentin Demps. Is that the other one from the Seahawks? Yeah, he was there oh, too. Uh, it was, uh, hold on. Keep, I can tell you in a second. Keep going. All right. And well, they're, they were arrested, charged uh, with robbery. Quentin I don't, Dunbar. I don't know. Quentin Dunbar of the Seahawks. Quentin Dunbar. I said Demps. Quentin had the D, right? Uh, yeah, whatever. I didn't read enough of the story. Apparently some extra charges and things came down. But as soon as I saw the one headline that the Giants have said, hey, don't participate in any of our stuff, that means they're not optimistic that this guy is going to be seeing training camp and – I mean, I just, he pled guilty. He turned himself in. So I, I, he knows what he did. Maybe because he's an athlete, maybe he's got the money. He was able to get out on the $200,000 bail or whatever. He's going to be okay and find his way back into the NFL. Just, I mean, come on, dude. Well, um, you're right. He did turn himself in. But let's keep in mind, he didn't turn himself in until like three or four days after. Uh, no, yeah. I, all right. The warrant was out. And. Uh, well, he had to sleep on it. He wasn't sure if he should. The news broke of this on Thursday, but I believe the incident happened previous to that. Uh, I think it was on the past weekend. But, yeah, no. So, from my understanding, and after reading more into this, the two of them were going to multiple, like, cookout parties or whatever um, in Florida, in South Florida, and they were gambling or they lost, like, a combined, like, seventy over $70,000 betting or or something playing games whatever whatever it was and then i guess got really mad and they're at this cookout playing like on another game like there had to be money involved I'm, I'm sure and then they lose and they flip the table they break out guns and they start like shoot and 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 apparently deandre baker is telling quentin to like like yeah kill that guy kill that guy like egging him on to kill people at this party and he, the, the warrant comes out. They escape. They flee in this getaway car. Eventually get released on $200,000 bail. They did think of the getaway car, though. They did, yeah. Credit to them on the getaway car. Yeah. And I have two immediate thought processes that run, that run through my head when I read this news. One, what, what is it with this kid? He gets the Giants, one of the most historic franchise organizations in sports, Trades up in the dead of the night to get you in the first round. So you're right away. You're getting first first round money because the Giants thought you deserved first round money. And then you go to the Giants in the first your rookie season. It would have taken a lot for your rookie season to go worse than it did. It's an abysmal rookie season for DeAndre Baker. And I think everyone acknowledged that. I think the Giants coaching staff, the fans, and DeAndre Baker acknowledged that. But it's like, okay, like, whatever. One year, we traded up for him in the first round. We got him because we knew what he could do. We knew what his worth was. And so I wouldn't, I was going into this year like, all right, DeAndre Baker, you got another shot. Show us what you can do. Like, let's, let's see. Like, you screwed up, whatever. Like, just get better. 
work on yourself in the off season. The next thing we hear is this. And it's like, this kid cannot get out of his own way. You're a first round pick. You're still after your abysmal season playing for the New York football giants. You're going to be making bank. Even if you play a terrible second season and you go and do this. And that, that's my first thought process. This kid cannot get out of his own way. And the second thing I thought was how New York giants of us to trade up for, uh, for DeAndre in the first round. And now he's like, you've said probably will never play for the New York giants again, unless there are some, uh, some new developments, which his lawyer, which his lawyer is obviously not going to say, yep, he's guilty. I don't know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> his lawyer came out and said that DeAndre is scared straight. He's beside himself right now about, about the, these allegations against him. And his, him and his lawyer and their team cannot wait to, to, drop, to get the charges dropped. And they are incredibly confident that the charges will be dropped very soon and he will be playing with the New York Giants. I can't – I don't know. But if – if the charges stay the way they are and there are no more new significant developments, this is, a, a, in my opinion, one of the first real tests for first-year head coach Joe Judge. And because it's going to be a lot on him to determine whether or not DeAndre Baker sticks around. Um, obviously, if he's convicted of these crimes, he's going to have to face the NFL uh, – penalties first and that will probably keep him out of the league regardless of if he went to the Giants or not through the 2020 season well I I think I mean to stop you there with the Joe Judge thing you're right but I think you're a little wrong Judge didn't draft him he wasn't here and I think he comes from the Patriot system the Belichick way hey man see ya get out of here I think if if charges are dropped maybe he's got a great lawyer He's got first-round money. He can probably get himself a decent enough lawyer. Charges get dropped. He comes back. Maybe we open training camp. The NFL can open their facilities tomorrow. Tomorrow is the day that across the league everyone can open. So we'll see who does and who does what. And if we're slowly get on our path towards a mid-July training camp like we usually see. And if he's able to participate, I think he's one of the first guys Judge speaks to. And you just talk to him face-to-face, whether it's on Zoom, whatever it is, and just get his readings. And – if for whatever reason you have any doubt, just cut him. Right. Just cut him. I, I'm done. I'm done with him now. And like he has to do Janoris Jenkins level first year when he was here with the Giants. He has to be Jason Seahorn before he broke his leg. He has to be shut. I, I can't remember like shutdown corners that the Giants have really had. He needs to be Corey Webster on that one play in Green Bay. Everything else was pretty mediocre. He, he needs. He needs to come out and prove himself. He had a terrible rookie year. Good hype around him. I mean, again, I'm going to reference our friend Kyle. He sent the text a, a day or two, maybe a week at the most before this, that the oldest guy in the Giants secondary would be 26 years old. That's a hell of a group to start building with. Right. DeAndre Baker was going to be the, one of the centerpieces of this group. Screwed it up. He was arguably the centerpiece of the group before he played last year. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I think Dave Gettleman comes into that, that equation too, to an extent, because Dave Gettleman knows DeAndre Baker as a person and he knows him as a player. That's why he traded up to get him in the first round. Literally, I think it was midnight last, last year. I remember texting you when we traded up for the pick and the giants, whether they keep him or lose him, that's money that they are not getting back. Yeah. 
uh, that's what is that two point two close to three million? Yeah, something like that. In cap space that they're they're not getting back regardless if he comes back or not. Yeah, so you look at it, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but it does add up, and especially if they don't bring him back, and then in a year or two he's back in the NFL as a 24 year old, and somebody picks him up for dirt cheap. Right. And then they have a potential Pro Bowl. That was my comment when this first happened. So it'll be the Cowboys because Cowboys are synonymous with doing this. Be an absolute stud. Become a Pro Bowl corner. So. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly. That right. That's exactly what will happen. And I think he'll have the. I agree with you. I don't think DeAndre Baker has. Um, I think he'll be back in the NFL soon. But this is a terrible start. Terrible rookie year. Gets himself into just just flat out stupid trouble like stupid trouble it's it's one thing substance abuse or you know you just kind of made a dumb decision but a story like this where he's lost seventy thousand dollars he makes makes away with fifty thousand that he robbed from people and he's taken out guns with a getaway car if if that's true that's no one that i want on my team yeah and part of taking a guy in the first round is talent but if he's a first round player he's also got the intangibles, the mindset that he's not an idiot. Hopefully. Right. There have been idiots drafted in the first round. You saw what happened to Johnny Manziel in his first couple of years in the NFL. I'm just saying. There's outliers. But We've had this conversation before, and you and, you and I tend to see, when we talk about our, our Giants fan social circle, you and I tend to see eye to eye on this more so than other people do. But I'm – I'm a, I'm a very big traditionalist when it comes to the Giants. I believe in what the Giants were and how they made their name for themselves. One of those things, aside from just what's happening on the field, is they were the New York Giants were class personified, from the ownership to the coaching staff to the players. I talked so much smack on the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys because they had players who, while I thought were some of the most talented in the league, were just – not good dudes and just got cocky for no reason, talked smack for no reason, had problems on and off the field. I'd be a hypocrite if the same things when this happens with the Giants didn't bother me. So for me, unless, again, some new developments come out that just rid DeAndre Baker of any blame and it's just a, a very serious misunderstanding, that's it for me. See it. Like, well, We'll take our losses. Like that's, yeah. It, it is. It is what it is. I agree. We'll move on and talk about one man who didn't have a lot of losses in his career, but now we're at a loss because we have nothing to watch on Sunday night. That was a good one. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. really good. I'll give you that one. I'm on my mark. The last one. Let... Oh, great. That one was pretty good. I'll give you that. I think they were all pretty good. But yeah, that one was good. I'll pat myself. Yeah, you deserve that back there. But the last dance. Uh, wrapped up last night, episodes 9 and 10. I mean, one of the greatest miniseries. When when I first saw that this was getting announced, and it wasn't even supposed to be shown until, I think, June, uh, yeah. th- this, to me, reminded me of when ESPN put out the O.J. Simpson one, because that one was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life, to show his ultimate rise of O.J. Simpson, get to the trial, the downfall, and just that – whole what this country was going through with the the race and hit how much it was it you know it's amazing i'm not going to get into it because if you haven't seen it just go watch it it's also 10 parts each one an hour whatever this i knew would be on par with it and i mean it surpassed my expectations i think because i'm a sports fan much like 
anyone. And I knew enough about Jordan, but we're at the age where we didn't really watch much of him. We might have rooted for the Bulls, did whatever, because we knew of Michael Jordan, but we never really watched the games. It was kind of, we were kind of growing up and Kobe Bryant kind of became that guy for our age group. And then of course, LeBron James. And for me, you know, the 98 finals, I was seven years old. I was just getting into the Yankees at that point. The Yankees will always be number one for me. And then the Giants took with football. The NBA was always kind of on the back burner. It was always further down the list for me, sports-wide, caring about. But to learn things, that's what blew my mind. These storylines, the th- I mean, we'll get into the pizza last night, uh, the contract negotiation, all this stuff that I had no idea about. That is what blew me away with this documentary. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. One of the the big things, and, and to, to be honest with you, there were we've gone through ten episodes. Um, the whole thing, like you said, blew me away as well. I, I loved it. I'm someone that does not watch a whole lot of TV. The most TV I watch is a few sporting events here and there. I don't really turn in or tune in a TV series or anything like that. I just Netflix series. I, I just don't. Um, and this was something I was like with the coronavirus going on. I was like, well, what else am I doing from nine to 11 at night on a Sunday? Nothing else going on. I'll, I'll tune in growing up. And I think, you know, in a way I have the the nineties Chicago bulls, not just Michael Jordan, that whole team to thank for why I got into sports and why I became a competitive person. I growing up in my childhood bedroom in North Haven, I had a Chicago Bulls uh, pennant flag um, on the wall. And it's because the first teams I, the first team I knew was Michael Jordan. Didn't matter if you really liked basketball or if you were from Chicago or Connecticut or whatever, Michael Jordan was not just the face of the Bulls or basketball. He was the face of sports. He was the best athlete that in, in any sport that, that we've witnessed, at least in this time period. And we knew him. And even before this doc, this auto doc came out, we knew him because of his performance on the court, because of his, his poster dunks, because of the numbers he would put up in games when it really mattered most. We didn't know, the majority of all of this behind the scenes stuff, the adversity he faced, the way he carried his teammates, sometimes just really getting on their nerves. But you see all of them today say, yeah, he pissed us off, but we were lucky to have him there because he made us better people. He made us better athletes. And to see that like Michael Jordan, this is, we can have this debate some other time. I think it's more time consuming than what we have. Uh, available for the remainder of tonight's episode, but we could have this debate on Michael Jordan and, and LeBron James. I think before this documentary, there were a lot of people in today's sports watching generation that would say LeBron, but I think, and and I disagree with you. Um, I still think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, and I I've think jumped, I've I've sent jump camps. I think though, yeah, and, and I have no arguments to support. Yeah, we can talk about this next week because. Yeah. This will, that would be a much more time-consuming conversation. But I, I think what you saw from this is not, not to say that LeBron James hasn't gone through his own adversity and has his own personal struggles and, and is a family man and all that, not to, to say that at all, but what Michael Jordan went through, how he made a team of, of nobodies and kind of carried this organization 
to one of the greatest organizations to play in any sport. The way not only he excelled, but the way he carried his teammates to make sure they excelled with him. I think it's something we don't see very often in any sport today, much less basketball. I listened to um, Mike Wilbon um, this morning uh, talking about kind of how just the NBA has changed since those, those years, the 90s, late 80s, to now, where today it's like, it's like all these different things. Who's going to get paid? Whose team is it? Who's going to get the most minutes? Blah, 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 blah. That was never the case in that, in that time period. And it's just it's one big takeaway for that was how crazy it is, the, the change that the game has made. And I think that's another reason why Michael Jordan was so great because all the, the, the drama, all the just the, the BS that he had to deal with, that Phil Jackson had to deal with, they had one of the greatest GMs in sports who gets absolutely no credit and hated Phil Jackson and told him straight up, if you were 82-0 and 0 or whatever it was, it doesn't matter. You're still not going to come back and coach the team. Yeah, which is unbelievable to me. And that's one, one of the parts last night where Jordan was like, why would you say that? Why would you say that at the beginning of 98, we're coming off back-to-back titles. We've won five and seven years. or what? Yeah, five and seven years. It doesn't matter if he goes 82 and 0, we're going to fire him. What kind of GM says that? I mean, I'd hate him too if I was a Bulls fan. And then to stick it to you, like, yeah, I got nothing to prove. Meanwhile, there's a guy who's got the same intensity as Michael Jordan out there in LA, who's a lot younger. They just acquired Shaquille O'Neal. I'm going to go coach them. And I'm just going to win three more over there too. But like what you said, the three biggest takeaways I had from it, and one that you kind of mentioned, just the Michael Jordan was universal. And I think today's NBA, uh, David Stern, David Stern, Mark Stern, Mark David. Stern, Stern, David Stern. Yeah. Why did I say Mark? Stern? Uh, basketball I think it's David Stern too. Yeah, the commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He even said it. All of today's athletes, the NBA itself, owes what they are to those Jordan Bull team, and really to Jordan. Just to, that. That blew me away in 92 when they went for the dream team in Barcelona. And he was that big of a figure. And when he had the 10 story foot building from ground to top of just him, I mean, it was, you had never seen that from what they said. I mean, I was two years old at the time, so I had never seen anything, but you know, you'd never seen that with an athlete that widespread. And I think he, and why the NBA is so popular and why people are making the argument that, it could become, it's never going to reach soccer, you know, numbers, but it could. Basketball's bigger than ever everywhere. And it was because of him and because of these teams. Two, uh, Frank Isola said it, the New York writer. One, he said that he got uh, mad when Jordan said the 97, 98 Pacers were the toughest teams that they played. He said in, that, in the 90s, Apparently, no team led the Bulls in a playoff series 2-0. Only the 93 Knicks. So a little biased because he's a New York writer. Maybe he thinks that was the best team they played throughout their run. But he didn't like that. But he said but, never – what? But I would disagree with that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, um, you never saw an athlete get punched in the mouth and then go work for it and then go do the punching the next year. 
when the when Jordan lost to the Piston teams, which I thought were some of the best episodes, those Piston games when they lost, because that's what I wanted to see more. I wanted to see the losing Jordan. I know all about the winning Jordan. Him losing, then getting into the gym, realizing he has to get bigger, has to get stronger. Otherwise, he's not going to beat these Pistons teams. And he goes, flip it to our time. Kevin Durant did the complete opposite. Almost beat the, you know, not to throw shade on Kevin Durant. I don't want to throw shade on Kevin Durant either. But you you're up 3-2 against Golden State. You blow that series. They go to the NBA Finals. They win. All right, I got to get on this team. And then you go join them. That never happened in the 90s. And, of course, people – little older than us, maybe our age, they say that, they make that argument all the time. Everybody's soft. They want to just go form a dream team or a three team or whatever. It doesn't happen anymore. But, yeah, you really don't. Nobody... You, made really, you made a really good point there touching on – and that's what I was saying, t- talking about Kevin Durant. Like this, like, Oklahoma City Thunder thing with him in Westbrook. Oh, who he wants to be in the – like, oh, that never would have yeah. happened in the 90s. Never yeah. No one would have cared. It would have been like, grow up. Well, and that was – Think, no, about, think, about what, coverage. think about what the Thunder had. The Thunder at one point had Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. You couldn't figure out who was going to be the alpha, and that was the issue. I think Kevin Durant could have been, but he doesn't have the mindset, clearly, because he just jumped ship. Yeah. James Harden might be, but they had their three-peat built, their th- big three built, and then it just get one by one disbanded because, oh, I want more money. I want to be the guy. And I want to go on a team that's easily going to win a championship. And now I'm just going to make it that much more easier for him. Yeah. Dennis, so, there's my, my, my head almost hurts because there's just so much more to unpack. About. It kind of makes me angry as a sports fan of my age and what I'm watching. Like, damn, imagine if I was this age in the nineties or even if, if we were in high school, because that's when you could really, you know, I'd appreciation middle school would be fine as well to really watch what I think and some people said in the documentary and then Shaquille O'Neal said it on an interview today was the greatest generation of basketball. That yeah. 10, that 10, 12 years, 88 Jordan kind of coming up, making his push, seeing the fall of the Lake magic Lakers and Larry Bird Celtics. And then the rise of the bulls, the Knicks, the Pacers, the jazz, the Rockets. I think the you talk about, you talk about the rise of those teams. I think one thing as a fan for me is obviously growing up being a huge Chicago Bulls fan, but too young to really know what was going on other than that Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. I, one of the things I loved was – You know, he was Bugs, with Bugs Bunny and he ate McDonald's. Right, right, yeah. Um, and he had cool shoes. But the storytelling that they did to for his other, for his other teammates, like Tony Kukoc, I did not know the – the story of Tony Kukoc. I knew of Tony Kukoc, but I don't think I really understood the importance that he had on that team and kind of where he came from and how, and how hesitant the rest of the Bulls team was adding Tony Kukoc and how much Jerry Krause loved Tony Kukoc. And so they, they hated him just for that. Yeah, they just wanted the rail on Tony Kukoc because Jerry Krause liked him. Yeah, nothing yeah. to do with Kukoc. They just didn't like Krause. Yeah, and they interviewed Kukoc, and he's just like, I, I was pretty much just here. <laughs> like, his story, I loved that. Everyone, obviously, if you watch sports today, everyone knows uh, the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr. Same thing. I knew he was a Chicago Bull. I knew he won multiple championships with them. But I didn't understand kind of the context of where Steve Kerr fit into the Chicago Bulls and the story of his relationship with Michael, the story of his father. I know to a lot of people that are in the NBA inner circle are well aware of that story, 
but otherwise kind of in the public eye in the media steve kerr was always very private about that story as i've as i've figured out with his yeah. father i did not know that that was the story and i think one of the coolest parts of that um was when they're in the series was it with the jazz and um i thought it was with the jazz or it could have been with the pacers and um they call a timeout like 20 or 30 seconds left and, and mj says like they're gonna come double team me coach like steve like look out and he's like i'm ready like let's do it and steve kerr well, that to that little interaction when kerr's telling that story jordan knows the cameras are always on him so his towel's over his head he's drinking the cup like hey if they if they switch i'm coming to you and he's just yelling back it to him like not thinking it. yeah i got it i got it <laughs> as a yeah. typical role player would like oh the cameras aren't on me right and that and that was something just the way obviously steve kerr tony kukoc and and even Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen didn't have the star power of, of Michael Jordan, but, but for every story where they're like, MJ was a straight up a-hole and just like made me wanted to fight us and all that. There's a moment where he made sure he took them with him to any success he had. And he said one line that stuck with me where he's like, he's like, I would annoy those guys to no end. And they definitely hated me for a period of time but they knew anything I was asking of them wasn't something I wasn't doing. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. I thought that was one of the most badass lines any athlete could say. And I think just to fast forward to the end of the documentary where he's sitting there and kind of wrapping things up and a lot of talking heads today have, have made this clear. Like this was his closure and he wanted people to know that this was, that was the reason why he was like that was because he wanted to win and he wanted to take those guys with him when he won. Yeah. Were you finished? I mean, the only other, the only other points I wanted to say, I wanted your opinion on this too. I think, I think one thing we're kind of going all over the place because my mind is no, yeah, it's honestly just in a hundred different places with it. So there were just so many facets of it and the storytelling was amazing. But I think one, Phil Jackson obviously gets a lot of the credit, but he's, going to be clearly or obviously overshadowed by Michael Jordan's performance. I think this brings a lot more light to just the craziness that he had to deal with. Like the, the Dennis Rodman drama is some of the best television. Dude, could you imagine if now in a day and age that we live in, if an NBA superstar left two days before an NBA finals game to go wrestle? <laughs> what about goes to wrestle but um, what what year was it where he's like, hey, coach, I got to go yeah, to the Vegas a few days and booze and smoke and <laughs> hang out with Carmen Electra in my hotel room. And yeah, that actually happened. Lauren just looked at me. Um, and then he just comes back and he's killing it on the court. They're just like, yeah, but I go think, And that was and that's the genius, I think, that it was Phil Jackson, where he knew Rodman was going to have his own rules because as soon as I put him on the court. He was the guy we expected would be on the court. He's going to hustle. He's going to play fast. He's going to rebound. He's going to play. He's going to be dirty inside. And his players knew that. Yeah. So it was, you give him the, I don't think it would have worked with any other coach. And I think Jordan said that towards the end of the documentary, but I did like how, when they were wrapping things up and Scotty Pippen, of course, because throughout the whole thing, it almost seemed like Pippen was the most mad at Krause he could never get his contract deal he was going to sit out that season no one really myself included didn't really understand how like grossly underpaid scotty pippen was yeah well i don't think anyone at least us i mean yeah. i'd imagine maybe that would have came up but 
yeah, this is the first I'm hearing of it, but when they still acknowledged what Jerry Krause did, because whether he's an a-hole or not, and yes, he shouldn't have said the things he was saying, he built an incredible team and an incredible franchise. Those draft picks that he acquired, bringing in Kukoc, trading, making trades for the role players. I mean, we're going on from drafting Michael Jordan in 1984, I think Jordan was drafted, and going up to 1998. I mean, good God. And I understand he's a GM and he's thinking about the future, and that was, okay, we can get Kukoc. He's going to come in and be younger, but that's going to offend the players that are there. 98, when you go and you Google the guy's ages, none of the main guys on the Bulls in 98 were spring chickens. They were getting up there. So you understand he doesn't want to have what happened to the Celtics in the late 80s. You run Bird and Danny Age and so on into the ground. Then you have to be in a rebuild. The Celtics were irrelevant for well over a decade. Right. You didn't want that to happen. You understand that thinking. But at the same time, you're witnessing what happened. And I thought that was one of the coolest parts at the end would – they all come back for a one-year contract. The fact that Michael said he believed they would have. Right. That's almost like, come on, dude, why'd you say that? The best, but the, the, part, the, the part about that is you can see it in his tone, the tone in his voice and in his eyes that it, it seems like almost today during these interviews that that's still kind of eating him up inside. That he would have, because the thing, it, Jerry Krause's thought process was that these guys after Jordan wins six or gets them six championships, what, eight years. And he has these guys, Scotty Pippen's been asking for his payday for years. Now, just by virtue of how many championships they've won, you're going to have to pay Rodman. You're going to have to pay Kerr. You're going to have to pay MJ. And MJ said, he's like, if you signed us to a one-year contract, I'm convinced, like, if you got Phil to stay and Michael Jordan to stay, that the other guys would have stayed for a one-year contract if it meant that they got to win a seventh one. Yeah. They don't really ask that question to really anyone else. Would you have stayed? Which I think was a miss. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember anyone else really being. No, I don't think they did. Um, So we made. The only concerns MJ had were Pippen. And that was basically because of the injury back in like those in game six of the jazz game. So. It's. Yeah, that I just I have so many thoughts about it. It was just really great, and I, I would, I think, again, we t- we touched on when we started talking about this, but just how many different stories and all the different drama that came out that no one had a clue about, like the you mentioned the at the beginning of the show, the pizza situation. Everyone to this day, I mean, up till nine o'clock last night, referred to that as the Michael Jordan flu game. Yeah, now it's the pizza game. Well, what kills me is that today, and even a little last night, like Michael Wilbon and Jackie McMullen were both on with SVP. They said they were aware of the pizza. They were aware he was sick, but nobody ever thought food poisoning. Ah, it's the flu. And it's like, all right, does it just pour into the narrative? The flu game sounds a lot better than the food poisoning game. Right. So I'm like five guys. Maybe that's a thing. Five guys go to his hotel room with the pizza. So now what I want to know were they just were? Is it was it five dudes who were like, oh my god, Michael Jordan's in there? It's all let's, well. That's it's got to be. It's got to be hotel time. guys, right? You're not allowing delivery guys up to Michael Jordan's room. You know the Bulls are staying there, so it's probably like some late night clerk. Hey, you want to go to MJ's room? Me, just order a pizza. Also, what, a personal what, trainer. You had second thoughts about it. 
huck that crap out the window. But that's where if that's you did that. MJ would know he's not going to eat it. That's where also, my what kind of personal trainer are you having MJ eat pizza at one o'clock in the morning? But that but he was MJ. He was drinking beer after all the games. That's true. That surprised me too. The amount of Miller Lights they were chugging <laughs> back. The Stogies. He's had Churchills in his hand two, three a day. Also, really quick, worst suits I've ever seen in my life. But that's besides the point. Luckily, they went out of style. You know what I want. What I want down the road, but good. Yeah. The the pizza situation was it just an unlucky situation? The pizza was made and he gets food poisoning, or does someone that made the pizza was see a hardcore jazz fan knew it was going to MJ, knew he had a big game the next night? That's what I want to know. Well, that's that was the first thing that popped into my head. When that's they're telling funny. the story, when the personal trainer's telling the story, when Michael's telling the story, it's all the writing is there that this one pizza place stayed open. They get a late night call. It's got to be the Bulls, right? Someone's hungry on the Bulls. Maybe Jordan will have a piece. I don't know what you're doing to put poison. You're putting some rat pellets in there, some mice trap things. Oh, no, you probably, you probably, you would have been like dead if that were the case. You, uh, not a lot, maybe. I'm, I'm assuming that they just undercooked something. Like, had some raw raw meat in the pizza or something. He said he got a cheese pizza. They could have undercooked it. Undercooked what? The dough? Maybe. Too many eggs? If you're eating a crap ton of undercooked dough, you'd get sick. I don't yeah, know, man. I, I just, that, was, that one blew my mind. and There, there were just so many that stories that blew my mind. It was just a really, really well done documentary and, and a, a really interesting topic that I'll just bring up really quick. We, we talked about who we think is better, and we could have this, we could have this debate on a future episode. But they, the question, I think it was first take, and they said, does this put additional pressure on LeBron James and the, the general consensus was, yes, it does. Especially if the NBA season finds a way to wrap up in the near future. And it starts on the heels of this where LeBron is playing on the Lakers, which is a team that is arguably in the driver's seat to win the NBA championship. Yeah, I think that's an unfair question that, I mean, 100% sounds like a first take kind of question. All right, it's definitely to get, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's why to me when you brought up that topic, you know, less than 10 minutes ago when I raised my hand, I'd argue anybody that LeBron's better than MJ. Why? Because I've seen LeBron's entire career. I've seen what he's done. I think, I think LeBron might be the best passer of all time. And I, it, there was this vote, and MJ took him out in every single that's category. Not, that's not, I don't think there's a disagreement in the sports world that, that MJ well, is better. Last pass. night, they released Jeremy Schapp's uh, poll – and he pulled 18 to 34-year-olds, 600 of them, and MJ won every single category by at least, like, 18%. No, LeBron, LeBron's a better passer than MJ. Yeah, so, and there's other things that would help LeBron, but it's an unfair question, but at the same time, it's why I can't really make the argument anymore. I've been in the arguments, and people have brought up what he's done, how he would take over games. We saw it. The dude had poisoned pizza, still hit a game-winning shot. Right. Bob Costas talked about it last night. And on SVP show that like minute 30 and change or whatever is the greatest thing in sports he's ever seen. The fact that he hits the shot, goes right to the bucket, steals the ball from Carl Malone, who won the MVP, goes down and then hits the game winning shot. I mean, that's greatest player of all time type stuff right there. And then you throw on the defensive stuff that he did and the type of leader he was. It's hard for me to argue. And I think, what this documentary does most is it shows all of us, our age group, maybe 
maybe not so much the kids that are in high school, kind of. Maybe they'd still favor LeBron. People brought that up last night. But it, to me, shows me what everyone's been telling me for the last 20 years. You don't really know how good Jordan was. You don't really know how good those Bulls teams were, what they did. This documentary showed that. And I think so you and I That's are- why I will now not insert myself in any more MJ versus LeBron. Some fun topics, this and that, but I'll never get heated because I understand where the person's coming from now. And I would consider Michael the best. I was blown away by what I saw. And I think, I think you and I might be part of the last generation to have this specific type of understanding of Michael Jordan. Like you and I, albeit very young, were still, we were, we were starting to learn some sense of sports knowledge or education when MJ was wrapping up his career with the Bulls. Again, I, I obviously was not tuned into Bulls games when I was seven or eight years old. But I had that Bulls flag. I watched Space Jam. I knew Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson. Jesus, <laughs> Michael Jordan. Knew who he was too. Knew who Michael Jackson was as well. He sang the Free Willy song. I knew, I knew Michael Jordan, and I knew the gravity of what he had accomplished in sports, yeah. even even at that at that young age. Awesome, awesome doc, uh, doc. I'll probably sit on this for a bit longer. And honestly, there probably will come a time over the summer where I'll probably watch it again i'll save it for a rainy day and 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 watch it again but really enjoyed it learned a lot um then coming up next for espn i mean they got a couple good lance armstrong lance armstrong's one it's the next two weeks are lance armstrong then it's water the uh why can't i think of the karate bruce Bruce lee Lee. and then after that it's the uh mcguire sosa yeah um, and I'm glad they did this. And I'm, I'm curious. I like to think if coronavirus was not happening, would this still, would this, and if it happened at the time it was supposed to, would this documentary still have had as much pull? And I think it still would have been incredibly successful. But I think to kind of give something or give two hours a night at the end of your week for everyone to look forward to, I, I think was awesome. And I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know if coronavirus was not happening. I don't know if I would have been as tuned in as I have been. I will say this. I agree. I think more of the nation is, all right, this is some sports we can grasp onto. It's one of the biggest icons, like you said, not just the sports world. Yeah, but in pushed it the forward world. for that reason. Yeah. But I do think this, depending on what the release date was in June, this could have been going on while the NBA finals were going on. If the NBA finals were going on, LeBron was in the finals the discussions would have been even more so. Like That's mid- an interesting thing to think about. Like mid-game. Yeah. And again, poor LeBron. Just throw it in his face that he's not as good. Then again, he is considered King James, and he's got the chosen one tattooed on his back. So you got to we'll, dish it out. You got to take it, LeBron. We'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. But Black Jesus will always be the uh... – Poor Reggie Miller, man. He will be the greatest player. That might have been the, one of the best little clips – of Jalen Rose when everyone's yelling and screaming that Reggie just hit the shot. Look at Larry. And Larry did not have a smile on his face because yep. he knew the Bulls had one second left. Yep. Larry knows the pain. Oh, this is the Larry Bird, his security guards, like the one with the frizzy white hair. Yeah. The Jordan memes. We got new Jordan memes. How, and how much and how much Jordan just picked on Scott Burrell, UConn alum. Yeah, that poor guy. 
I was I saw I saw a meme and it was like anytime Scott Burrell talks and it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> it was all it was all good. Also the fact he would come out after an NBA Finals game and it was like sun sun setting. I don't know, like when it's dark but it's not dark. And he's like, I could probably get some extra holes in. And the yeah. guy just had golf on his mind. He just wanted to take people's money. Yeah. But then that's the competitor when uh, John Paxton was talking. They play on the plane in the back, poker, blackjack, whatever, for a lot of money. Then he'd go to the front and play with the other role players. They're playing for a quarter, a dollar, a hand. He'd play with them just to tell them that I beat you. Type of guy he was. You know, here, I'll bring up one. We'll close the show on this. I got one, okay. more, one more question for you. I heard this one. I think it was uh, – it might have been CBS Sports uh, HQ this afternoon. I think that's who it was. And they brought up another good topic. Um, and it was America, the sports world, was just just this close to their TV for 10 episodes, 10 hours of Michael Jordan. How many other athletes and who do you think, if they did another one, so you mentioned OJ, who do you think America and the sports world would tune into 10 hours which athlete do you think could do that? Retired pro, some that were thrown out were a Tom Brady-Belichick relationship, 10 episodes. Uh, Tiger. Was, Tiger Woods was another one. Uh, I think I, I would immediately say I would immediately say, say Brady because the NFL factor, the amount of Super Bowls they went to, the amount of championships, the undefeated season, that would be a storyline. But I think Tiger Woods, to show him young, to show just how – tough his father was on him which is kind of well known but maybe there's some behind the scenes stuff we don't know then to see him come up out of nowhere and be so dominant and so young but to see his downfall see the divorce with his wife the countless drunk driving yeah and then to see the injuries the knee injuries how he would have to come back I would find that very very interesting I would put Tiger just above Brady but I think what you said, Brady Belichick, I think a Patriot one where it kind of just focused more on Brady Belichick would be injured because I feel like you have to have the two. You can probably get away with just Brady, but Belichick's so much a part of that. Yeah. I think all of those would be great just for the sake of saying, thinking of something different. I mean, I would love to see. Biased opinion, Derek Jeter. That's what I was about to say. I would love to see. (laughs) I don't think it's biased because – if you're going into Fenway Park and getting a standing ovation, that's not biased for saying Derek Jeter should have a – I just don't – just from an entertainment value, I don't think 10 episodes of Derek Jeter would do it the way 10 episodes of Michael Jordan did. No. Because, I mean, I'm sure there's stories, obviously, like anyone, that we don't know about for better or worse behind the scenes. But Derek Jeter, at least in the public eye, didn't really lead – like in terms of his personal life – Oh, no, he was non-existent. He he may have dated a few high-profile celebrities here and there, but a few. It wasn't Ryan Carey, Jessica Alba, Minka Kelly. He's married to another mo- models, models, models. Right. So he's dating celebrities, but what else? Carmen Electra was in uh, the Last Dance for about ten total seconds, and so it's like there's not. I don't think maybe there is that we don't know about, but it doesn't seem like there was a tremendous amount of drama in Derek Jeter's lead up aside from his, his performance. One that I think would be awesome. I'll leave it at this. I would love to see a Kobe Shaq 
like kind of collaboration sort of thing leading up to their time with Phil Jackson. Yeah, and even after the fact, because they didn't like each other. I feel like you won't see that for a while just because of recent events with, with Kobe's unfortunate passing, and, and I think that Lakers team is still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Well, and you can get away with putting the Bulls into that one. Here's where Phil came from. This is how big Phil was. Shaq said it today. Phil came in, you know, why did you listen? You were already a superstar. Kobe was on the rise of becoming a superstar. Why would you listen to Phil Jackson? He goes, the resume. He goes, he's got six NBA titles. He came in and told me to do something. I did it. And a lot of people in younger, I would say younger generations than ours don't really know Phil Jackson's greatness. Well, they know of it, but Phil Jackson's greatness in their eyes comes from his time with Los Angeles and not from Chicago. I mean, I, I think it's both. But, yeah, it's, it's just how he managed people. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable how he managed all of those personalities, all the egos. That story at the end when they all went and wrote something about what the team means to them and then they burn him, burnt it in a coffee can together, who thinks of that? That's why Nick, he's a Zen master. That's why Nick, Nick fans freaked out when he came along. And he, we just, you know, we're still Knicks. So, well, as, as you will be from there. a long time. But, yeah. again, I, we, we, we're still sitting on this because it's just so, so great. But I, I yeah, really we – were, we were supposed to end 15 minutes ago. I just let it keep going. I don't care. <laughs> Really enjoy something. I hope something like that comes up soon. Maybe we could, if we if we watch the thirty for thirties that ESPN has coming up, maybe we'll we'll discuss that a little bit. Well, I'm I'm interested in the Lance Armstrong one. I think I think that one's going to be really good. There's that, a lot of scandal that involves yeah. that one. And it's only two parts, so it'll be quick. Very good point. Yeah. All right, Matt. That's going to do it for this uh, next week, or we might be putting out an episode towards the end of this week, and if it does. Matt Dennis podcast will turn 30 years old. So it's on, it's, 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 it's cool. We're closing in, closing in on the big three. Awesome. tune in, uh, check us out at Matt Dennis pod on Twitter. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify for your listening pleasure. Hopefully we'll be on, uh, we'll be on Facebook and some other platforms soon. We're actually on like overcast and a couple of other weird sites because of we're on iTunes, oh. but Hey, we're not on stitcher yet. Google just seems like a pain in the ass to set up. So I'm sorry, Android users. I'm not putting it on there. Unless <laughs> I find the time, but I've heard nothing about complaints about getting it on the Google store. Android. So, yeah, if you got the green bubbles in texting, you're not getting it. Yeah, no. Yeah. But yeah, Matt, this was a good one. Pleasure as always. Uh, we'll keep the listeners updated. We're going to put another one out maybe Thursday or Friday. This bad boy <laughs> is up Wednesday or depending on when you're listening to it. But just check the dates. As always, I'm Dennis. He's Matt. Adios. Planet or star, when that thing burns out, we're all going to be dead. <laughs>